He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Risen indeed. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He's risen. He's risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Risen indeed. Good morning, everybody. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter. It's so good to have you with us. My name is DJ Martin. I'm the church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. And whether you're a member at Parker Ford or just joining us online, we're so glad to have you with us as we celebrate our risen and victorious King Jesus. Throughout this morning's service, we want to invite you to engage the content in a meaningful way. There's going to be opportunities for you to pause the video and work on a memory verse or pause the video and think through some reflections questions. So make sure and take advantage of that, especially if you're, you're with a group watching this. Pause the video and have a discussion. That's when this stuff will really come alive. Or if you're alone, grab your journal and spend time reflecting with the Lord. That's sacred space as you chew on and meditate on the Word of God and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. We have been working on a memory verse the last couple weeks that, that lead into Holy Week. It's, it's from Palm Sunday, the Hosanna passage. And I want to do it again this week. We started working on it last week. Let's do it again today. So I'm going to read it and then I'm going to invite you to take a few moments and just read it out loud at home and work on memorizing this beautiful passage. Matthew chapter 21 Verse 9, this is when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, and this is what the people shout out. They shout out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Pause the video and work on the memory verse for a few minutes, and then join us as we continue the service. For our call to worship today, I'm going to be reading from the resurrection story in Luke chapter 24. In the teaching today, we're going to be looking at resurrection and reconciliation. We're going to be looking at a couple of key passages from the New Testament that tie these two concepts together. That because of the resurrection, we have reconciliation, not only with with God, between God and man, but between brothers and sisters, between different ethnicities, between different cultural groups, between whole people groups. It's made possible that we can have reconciliation because of the resurrection. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Galatians 3, a little bit from Matthew chapter 5. And so I wanted to read in our call to worship the resurrection story. So would you stand and read this with me if you're able. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 24 starting in verse 1. Let's read it together. On the first day of the week, very, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found this stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Before we transition into the teaching today, I want to invite you to reflect on some of the following questions. Do you believe that Jesus experienced an actual and bodily resurrection from the dead? Do you believe that, that Jesus was truly raised from the dead? What connections can you think of between the resurrection of Jesus and the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles? This will be a really important conversation as we transition to the teaching today. So think about what does the resurrection have to do with reconciliation? And how does the good news of Jesus' resurrection tear down racial and cultural, cultural barriers that keep people separated? Would you take a few minutes, reflect on these questions, and then join us for today's Easter message? In today's message, we are talking about resurrection, because it's Easter, and we're talking about reconciliation. Because one of the primary results of the resurrection is reconciliation. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be on Galatians 3, Matthew 5. Our benediction comes from Colossians 1. All of these passages, all of these passages speak to the resurrection and what comes of that through the reconciliation between God and man and people of various kinds who once were enemies but now are incorporated into the same family of God. Before we go to the scriptures today, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we live because you live. We share in the hope of the resurrection because you went through the crucifixion, burial, and submission and obedience to the Father and were raised again, being found sinless and perfect in every way. As John said so long ago, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We seek to behold you once again today, to gaze upon you and be transformed in the looking upon you. So transform us, renew us, make us something new in your image as we reflect on your resurrection and what happens because of the resurrection. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, resurrection and reconciliation. Resurrection is a noun that is defined as the action or fact of resurrecting or being 
resurrected or rising from the dead. Makes sense, right? Jesus died and was resurrected and his resurrection is unlike any other resurrection that takes place in the scriptures. We know of other people that were resurrected from the dead in the scriptures. In fact, Jesus resurrected several people in his ministry. In Luke chapter 7, there's the widow coming out of the city and her son, her only son, had died. And Jesus prays over him and speaks over him and he's raised from the dead. And, and Lazarus, his friend, Jesus' his close friend, who, was died, who had died and was in the tomb. And Jesus calls to him and he comes out of the tomb and he's alive. And the little girl who had died and, and Jesus says she's just sleeping and he, and he tells her to wake up and she wakes up. So there's other resurrection stories, but none like the story of Jesus. See, all those other people died again. <laughs> Even though they were resurrected as a sign of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ, once again they grew old, once again they got sick, and once again they passed away as they wait in hope of Jesus for the ultimate and eternal resurrection. But Jesus' resurrection is actually the first fruits of God's remaking of all things. As N.T. Wright calls it, the resurrection is the launching of new creation. It's God's first act of making the new heavens and the new earth. And someday everyone in Christ will share in that hope fully. All of us will experience the bodily resurrection of Jesus where we'll have the glorified bodies and we'll be able to to know him and he'll know us and we'll be able to walk with him in that way. And so when we say resurrection, we're talking about Jesus's resurrection, the eternal resurrection. And reconciliation, another noun, that means the restoration of friendly relations or the act of making one view or belief compatible with another. And this is what happens because of the resurrection. Friendly can seem like maybe a watered-down word to use here, but it's actually a covenantal word. Abraham, when God ratifies his covenant, calls him his friend. Moses, the Mosaic covenant that God establishes with the people of Israel, calls Moses his friend. Jesus When he's ratifying his covenant through his death and resurrection, when he shares the Passover meal with them, he says to them, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. This is what the gospel does. This is what the reconciliation of Jesus Christ does through his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection. It takes enemies and it causes them to not only just tolerate one another, but actually enter into the same family and in so doing become brothers and sisters, siblings, and friends. My thesis for our Easter sermon, I wanted to write it down because this is where my mind is as I'm tracking through these scriptures. So I just want to put it in front of you so you can see what I think that God wants to speak to us today. Number one, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, proving that he alone is the Lord and he has been trusted with all of the authority of God. Jesus says before his ascension, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. This is, you know, you, I'm giving you this mandate because of the authority that's been entrusted to me. And we know that that authority has been entrusted to Jesus because of the resurrection. Just a quick note about the resurrection. You know, of ancient history, of of historical events, there are almost none in the history of the world that are as well attested to as the resurrection. The eyewitness accounts the hundreds of people that claim to see the bodily Jesus. I mean, there's really, in antiquity, there's no other event that even comes close to having the evidence that there is for the resurrection. You know, like stories about Caesar or like when Brutus killed Caesar. 
we have a few eyewitness accounts and no one questions whether or not that happened. And yet, because of the miraculous nature of the bodily resurrection of Jesus, it continues to be dated and uh, debated and questioned to this very day, even though among ancient history, there is no event that is as closely attested by eyewitness accounts as the resurrection. So, because Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, it proves that he's, a, he's Lord and has all authority. Secondly, God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and that is possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Christ, who is the great reconciler, has himself entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation by making us one new people, having given us, his people, in him, a new personal, corporate, and national identity. Each of these things are made new in Christ. We're new creatures, we're new people. I'm always going to be DJ. I'm always going to look the way I look and have the biological parents I have and have my own personal biology. And yet there's something in me that is renewed and made new and transformed because I am in Christ. And it's the same for you. My primary identity is not that I'm a Martin or that my parents come from German heritage or that I look like I look or I sound like I sound. All of those are components of my identity. But my deepest identity, your deepest identity, if you are in Christ, is that you are in Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. We memorize this verse together as a church because of this. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer my life. It's him who lives in me. That's my deepest personal identity and your deepest personal identity. But he also gives us a new corporate identity because my primary identity is not as a Martin in my family. It's not as um, a resident of Pennsylvania. It's not as an American citizen. My primary corporate identity is that I am a member of the family of God. I'm a Member of the body of Christ. And so while, you know, I'm a citizen of America by nature of living here and I take part in living in the culture here, my primary identity is not an American citizen. My primary, primary identity is that I am a son of God in the family of God, a child of God who's a sibling of other siblings. <laughs> I'm part of this family, this body, and it's the same for you if you're in Christ. And thirdly, he's given us a new national identity. Once again, my primary nationality is not American. My primary identity is not Caucasian. Yours isn't Caucasian or black or male or female. We're going to look at the Galatians 3 passage that says none of that matters anymore. Primarily, our identity is the new person that's being formed within us as we are bound into our life in Christ. Okay, because Christ is the great reconciler and has given us a new identity. Number four, this ministry of reconciliation includes the mandate to cultivate reconciliation between people and God and people and people. Our job is to help spread the message of the gospel that God wants relationship with all image bearers, with every person on earth. God desires a loving, vibrant, personal relationship. But it doesn't stop there because equally important is that we cultivate reconciliation among people groups Racial reconciliation is at the heart of the gospel. In fact, racial reconciliation was the first gospel issue. Think about it. What did the church deal with for the first entire generation? The number one question was, can Jews and Gentiles be in the same family, eat the same food, share the same circumcision, share the same gospel? 
This is the number one issue of the early church was the gospel implications of the resurrection when it comes to reconciliation between Jew and Gentile, between Samaritan and Jew, between male and female. This is why Paul made his entire apostolic ministry about reconciling these different people groups into one new family of God. And so reconciliation between people is at the very heart of the gospel message. It's the very core of what God desires for his resurrected people in Christ. And we're going to be talking about that not just today, but in the coming weeks. I have a number of guest speakers lined up for us here at Barker Ford Church in the coming weeks who are going to come and teach on reconciliation. We're going to be sending groups of people to different churches in our area, to worship with a Filipino church in our area, to worship with predominantly black churches in our area, to worship with them and learn from them, to submit to them, to bless them, to pray with them, to have them come and teach us because this is a gospel issue. This is what Jesus cares about, not only reconciling people to him, but reconciling people to one another and tearing down those false walls that Satan would put up to divide people. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, our primary passage for this morning. The Apostle Paul, who once hated Gentiles, who once hated Christians, who had given his life to zealously persecuting the church and making sure that Israel stayed set apart and pure and removed from all of the pagan cultures around him. But in Christ, he saw the resurrected Christ. And because he saw the resurrected Christ, everything changed for him. And because everything changed for him, he then gave his life to reconciling not only people to God, but people to one another who were once enemies. And he's writing to the church of Corinth, who's primarily made up of People who were once pagans, people who were once far from the people of God, people who were once far from God worshiping idols. And he writes to this church in Corinth, he says, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, if we're crazy, Paul says, as some people accuse us of, it is for God. But if we are in our right mind, it's for you. All right, here's the key passage. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. We don't have an option. If we, are, if we are sitting in Christ's love, if we are faithfully walking in Christ's love, Paul is saying, we do not have an option. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all have died. You know, in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ died for all and all have died in Christ. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Once again, this is a retelling of Galatians 2.20. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I just mentioned this, but Paul used to regard Jesus as a fool, as someone who was cursed because the law, the Torah said in Deuteronomy, that anyone who's hung from a tree is cursed by God. And so when Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah, was hung upon a tree and cursed by God, he could not be the Messiah. He could not be who God had intended his people to follow. And that's exactly what Paul had thought before, before he saw the resurrected Christ on the Damascus road. But when he saw that Jesus was in fact not cursed by God, but was approved by God in every way, 
was the resurrected representation of Christ, everything changed for Paul. And he said, I once regarded him through the flesh, and I no longer do that. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, Paul says, we can't view him that way anymore. We can't view other people that way anymore. We are compelled by the love of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to view ourselves as a new creation belonging to Jesus and to become a people about reconciliation. And he'll make this point next. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us or entrusted to us what? That same ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the whole world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has entrusted and committed to us this very message. So we are ambassadors. We are witnesses to the ministry of Christ. And the way we witness to it is by sharing of that reconciliation that we're invited to, where God forgives sins and he draws us near to him and he promises us eternal life and resurrection glory and through his son. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? The Samaritan. Who's your neighbor? Anybody made in Jesus's image. Everyone Carrying the image of God bears the mark of God's love and God has called us not only to be a messenger, uh, an ambassador of his love for them, but also to work towards reconciliation among different groups of people. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. It's as if Jesus continues to live. It's as if Jesus continues to walk on earth because we're his ambassadors. We're his representatives. You know the famous passage where Paul says, to live is Christ. Yes, to die is gain because then we get to, to shed the suffering of the world and we get to be with him in glory. But to live is to represent him. To live is to be his ambassador. It's as if he's making his appeal to all the earth through our lives. If we walk with him, if we're in him, if we're that new creation. We implore you, he writes, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He's the propitiation. He's the payment. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. All right, Galatians chapter 3. I want to I go there because he's making much the same point. In the church, uh, the letter to the Galatians, Paul is dealing with racial conflict between Jews and Gentiles. They're arguing about whether Gentiles um, need to eat kosher food, whether they need to observe the Torah, whether they need to practice circumcision. And Paul is saying that, that in Christ, no, because God has, has removed the burden of the law. It's like an old babysitter when we were children, he says, and he's entrusted with us something new to the Jewish people. And he's invited all of the Gentiles into this new thing. And so there's one new identity because of the resurrection of Jesus. He says it so well. He says in Galatians 3, Before the coming of this faith, this pistis, this allegiance to Jesus, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith, pistis, allegiance to God, that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. We're justified by pistis. By our allegiance, obedience, believing trust in Christ. 
Now that this faith has come, once again, same word, we are no longer under a guardian. Paul's saying it's like the Jewish people had a babysitter, and the law was the babysitter. And for many generations, the babysitter was watching over the people until Christ came. Because when Christ came, he brought a new message. He brought a new hope. He brought a new identity. And now we, God has removed the babysitter and entrusted to us the message of Christ so we can live into the fullness of who we were meant to be in Christ. We're no longer under that guardian anymore. So in Christ, you are all children of God through, there it is again, pistis, through faith. This is why we've spent so much time studying this word over the last several months. So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You have a new identity. It's like you've put on a whole new set of clothes. It's like you put on a new body when you're in Christ. There is neither, and here's the key passage, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is not saying here that gender doesn't matter. He's not saying that culture doesn't matter. He's saying that is no longer our primary identity. My primary identity is no longer that I'm a white male in my 30s, born in America. All of that describes the circumstances of my life. But my primary identity in Christ is the new person and the new family that he's called me to and says, same for you. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Once again, resurrection and our new identity in Christ leads to reconciliation where there's no longer Jew or Gentile. And this is what the book of Galatians is all about, tearing down that wall of hostility that used to exist between Jews and Gentiles because God has called us into one new people. And so whenever there's racial conflict, whenever there's cultural differences that divide the people of God, it is a gospel issue. We must return to the cross. We must return to the, the resurrected Jesus and no longer view one another through the flesh. That's how we used to view one another before the resurrection. But now, because we have our hope, because we have seen and trusted the resurrected Christ, we no longer view one another that way. We are compelled by the love of God to view one another primarily as brothers and sisters and as friends, no matter what those cultural differences are, racial reconciliation sits at the core of the gospel. Matthew 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've heard my teaching for any length of time, you know that I, I call this the Magna Carta of the kingdom because this is where Jesus is teaching what life in the kingdom of God is supposed to look like and be like. And right at the beginning of this teaching, where he's explaining this is what life in the kingdom is to look like. He has the list of nine beatitudes. And one of the beatitudes, one of the statements about what life is like in the kingdom is this. Blessed are the peacemakers. How will they be known? How will peacemakers, how will people who are people of reconciliation be known? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. They'll be known as the representatives of God, the sons of God, those who reconcile and make peace, those who represent Jesus in that way. So once again, here's the thesis that we've just worked through at lightning speed together this morning. I could talk about this all day, and this is why we're going to be talking about it in coming weeks, but this, here it is. 
This is our Easter message. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Amen and amen. Thank you, God. Proving that he alone is Lord and entrusted with all authority. Because of this, God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Because of this, Christ, the great reconciler, has himself entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation, making us one new people, having given us a new personal, corporate, and national identity. And this ministry of reconciliation that's been trusted, entrusted to you and I through Christ includes the mandate, the command, the compelling love of Christ to cultivate reconciliation between people and God and people and people. And so here's my challenge. Here's my question. A couple of questions that I leave you with today. Are you ready? <laughs> In Christ, are you ready? Because of the resurrection, Christ, are you ready? Are you ready to love those who are different than you? Are you ready to pursue those who once would have been your enemies, according to the flesh? Are you ready to represent through your ambassadorship the message of reconciliation? Are you ready to learn and be challenged by people who see the world differently than you? Are you ready to be a reconciler? A reconciler who represents the message of God, of resurrection and hope between God and man, God and humanity, and people of different backgrounds with one another. This is Jesus' invitation to you and I today. I want to invite you to pause and reflect on these questions. Don't rush through them. Reflect on them and ask the Holy Spirit to make you ready as his ambassador. And then join us for today's benediction. One of my absolute favorite passages on this topic, resurrection and reconciliation, supremacy of Christ and him bringing all things together, including broken relationships and healing them through his ministry, through, uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of my absolute favorite passages we didn't even get to today because there's so many of them in the scriptures, but it comes from Colossians 1. So I'm going to read it for us as today's Easter benediction. So if you would, would you extend your hands in a posture of reception and allow me to read these words about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, over each of us, including myself. Let's, let's read these words as an act of intercession, as an act of worship, remembering who Jesus is and remembering his victory over sin, death, and the grave. The, the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What a beautiful distillation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus's resurrection and reconciling work. I really hope that you have a wonderful Easter. Thank you again so much for joining us. Have a great day. He is risen. He is risen indeed. <laughs>